This is the Wesson Walker Show. I Not knew you were laughing at Michael Penix. That was yeah, no, it's, it's definitely Penix. I've heard it pronounced now. a couple it of different not, ways. It is, it's Wes. Come and on. And you dry your bahuni and you dry like other. <laughs> what is he drying? Bahuni. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to start using that for oh. sure. And Walker. I can think of Joey Bats and Roughnet Odor. We know the punches were thrown there. What did I say? You want to say that first name again, bud? Roughnet is not his it's name. It's Runed Odor. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you also said Willie Stargle. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Willie Stargle. It's the last hour on a Monday of Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We have plenty of signs that it's hardcore football season, but you know what the number one sign is? We all walk in with a glow on a Monday. Yes. Mondays are not the Mondays anymore. Like, it is straight exciting walking in, getting, being able to talk about football. Even on a week two slate of college football, that did not look all that impressive. Even that, we get some good games. We got some contests to talk about. We're all glowing from football here, Wes, and I'm glad it's back. I told you during football season, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what type of day you have, you always have that thought in the back of your mind that it is football season and that there is some football to be able to watch. All right, and, and because of that, I wanted to bring a couple of scripts that have happened during breaks. Here's a script started by our favorite, the one and only Josh Fitty Marlowe. Fitty told us how he spent his weekend. <laughs> he said, or excuse me, he was talking about the week four slate in college football. How exciting that one's going to be. Fantastic weekend. You said that you're going to be in front of a TV. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's what you're going to be doing. Fitty painted a picture for us. He said, for week four, I'm going to be eating chicken wings in my underwear, not moving whatsoever. Wes said, oh God, that's a visual. Fitty responded, yes, picture me with wing sauce on my belly. <laughs> That's the picture that I wanted and to bring to the listeners. Now the callers have to uh, think about that now. That's right. You have to think of Josh Fitty Marlowe watching college football, eating chicken wings in his underwear with hot sauce <laughs> on his belly. Yeah. And with whatever that, wing sauce it is. Whatever wing sauce it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't know if one makes that picture any better, but... That's the picture I'll leave you with. Time now for the live wire with that one and only Josh Fitty Marlowe. <laughs> live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know they feel this. The east and the west. The west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. All right. So we haven't had the J.C. Horn conversation yet today. He left the game yesterday with a hamstring injury. And uh, today, Frank Reich and his media availability confirmed the injury and spoke on the severity of it. Just to confirm, uh, J.C. Horn did have a hamstring, so we'll continue to evaluate the severity of that and the timetable of that. All right, so I wanted to give you that just so you guys got the update on the coveted cornerback that uh, is no longer available to play every Sunday, it does appear. Here's what Frank Reich said about the confidence they have in the cornerback room now with J.C. Horn likely to miss next week's a home opener. 
very confident in the depth in that room. That's an area that we felt has been a strength. So, you know, hopefully JC will recover quickly and, and we'll get him back, but confident in the depth of the room. Y'all believe him? About the severity? About being the- confident in that room without JC Horn? Hmm. No, I don't uh, think yeah, I, do. I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't know if you're talking about the injury or the depth. We have heard him say good things about CJ Henderson. It's not like CJ was good in this game, but we have heard that in the offseason. But shocker, we've heard that a couple of times. Wes, it's a real problem. I hate it. I, I wish JC Horn could stay healthy. It's a he's a very good cornerback. We've had our debates on just how good he is, but we both agree that he's at least a good cornerback in the NFL. And he would really help this team if he stayed healthy. And he's just not doing it right now. You have the hamstring injury, and I think it's really nice. You can go out and check our Stefania Bell interview on our website, Wesson Walker, WFNZ.com, then click on the Wesson Walker uh, podcast tab. We discussed, is this a unhealthy or unlucky situation? And she said, the good news is, is that J.C. Horn hasn't suffered an injury to where I'm worried about that continuing to rear its head every single Sunday. The problem is, is that there's a different injury that rears its head. We're getting something different. The wrist injury, knee problems, ACL, like it's an issue. And I hope that J.C. is able to come back from it sooner rather than later. He's an important part to this squad. But, man, it sucks to see him continue to go down. Yeah, I was just saying yesterday, man, it's got to be frustrating when you work as hard as these guys do. And then you have uh, just situations where over and over again your body is not responding the way that it needs to, man. And I hate it for him because you do want to see what that full picture looks like if he's able to play at least 80%, 75%, 70% of the games, man. But this is just unfortunate for him. Hopefully he can come back quickly. But we know how hamstrings are probably going to take at least a few weeks yeah. before he can get back in that Carolina secondary. Man, we saw what happened last year in the Tampa Bay game when he was not available. This is something that teams are definitely going to look to exploit uh, if he, if he's not able to get out there on the football field. That's the part that concerns me. Wes, the other injuries, you get past them. I'm not saying that you're completely 100%, but it, it's, it's not one of these nagging things that shows up week in and week out. Once you get over it, the hope is that you're over it for good. The hamstring injury, that's going to linger for a while, right? Yeah. Like these soft tissue injuries, if that starts to happen and then you start to have the non-contact when everybody starts to, oh boy, this is no or non-contact injuries are, are pretty worrisome. Are we going to get the whole, he's questionable, he's doubtful. Is this thing going to last into week seven, week eight? Even if he is out there, how worried are you that he's going to be 100% effective? The, the hamstring injury, you could argue that's one that you're worried about being long-term even more so. I, yeah, I, I hope we're not at the beginning of, oh, okay, ship J.C. Horn out of town because we're already getting texts. Hey, trade him, cut him. We're already getting those types of comments after the first game of the season leading to a J.C. Horn injury. I hope it doesn't happen. What else you got, Fiddy? All right, I'd like to point out that after Wes called the upset of, of Duke over Clemson, we put together this long montage to really celebrate Wes's prediction. I predicted on Friday, the only one on the show to predict that <laughs> Texas would go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and beat Alabama, and I get no montage, <laughs> no flowers, nothing, no whatsoever, so uh, take that, Walker. Wow. Uh, yeah. That hurts. Whoa. 
Yo, does somebody ask for free bird at a concert? I just got one. Well, picking the underdog in a top 10 matchup, what do you... That's what I'm saying. You know, I had to endure a summer of ridicule from people <laughs> for making my pick. You make your pick, people are like, oh, okay, I made mine. They were like, you're delusional. No way. The, the best that Wes could hope for was me being on his side that people were underrating Duke and still picking Clemson. That's the most anybody was on his side. So for you to pick Texas, not quite the leap. But we do have a comment about this uh, Texas win, right? Yeah, man. Make no mistake about it. Texas is not in the SEC just yet, but don't tell Paul Paul Feinbaum that because he said Texas is back in Alabama. Oh, there's there's some problems there down there in Tuscaloosa. I think we can all collectively say Texas is back, and they're in the top four. There's no getting around it. When you go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and do what just a handful of teams in the Saban era have done, you deserve considerable kudos. And they, they not only won the game by double digits, they dominated the game. This game really should have been a much bigger beatdown, but if you if you look at the top four right now, clearly Georgia's there, Michigan, but Texas and Florida State have snuck in. I know a lot of people are asking about Ohio State and Southern Cal. They're right outside of that, but what Texas did to Alabama on plays like this is just simply unbelievable. I was talking to Nick Saban yesterday morning in Tuscaloosa, and he was very nervous and very agitated about the depth and the injuries at, in the secondary, and that was prescient as uh, that's where the game was destroyed last night, of course, other than the line of scrimmage and other than the lack of discipline again by Alabama. Guys, are they back? It might be Nick Saban's time to be cut, Paul. Needs to be fired, <laughs> Paul. What's wrong with Bama? Yeah, man. Texas comes in and wins by double digits. Here's the shocking thing to me. It's not that Jalen Milrow had a couple of interceptions. It's not that he only, quote-unquote, had 255 passing yards. It's that they ran as a team for 107. Yeah. That is not the Alabama that I know. Two point, uh, 3.1 a carry. Milrow had 44 yards, 2.9 a carry. McClellan had 45 yards, 3.8 per carry. That is the stat that really wows me. The fact that they could not run the football whatsoever. Tenth in the country? Oh, surrounded that by uh, surround that by five sacks allowed and nine tackles for loss for the Texas Longhorns. But they talked about coming into that game, how yeah. that defensive line from Texas is the real deal. And Fiddy talked about earlier uh, when we were talking in the fishbowl about Sarkeesian preparing his team uh, SEC style, getting those linemen in, getting that pass rush, man. And I think that, you know, when you look at the rushing attack of Alabama being that uh, light, when you talk three yards a carry, that's a byproduct of them not believing in Jalen Milrow as a passer. Like, he can hit the deep ball and things of that nature, but the efficiency isn't there. And then Texas came through, man, and the biggest thing is just not being scared. They came in there. They were ready to go. They had that belief. Quinn Ewers was fantastic. That deep ball he threw, man. I mean, he throws lollipops, and they're, like, right on the money. So... What's interesting to me about Texas, too, is the biggest storyline surrounding Texas this offseason was about a guy that's not even playing. Arch Manning was the story of who was going to commit to Texas, and then is there any type of way that he starts over Quinn? I, that was a little bit of a conversation, but Quinn has come out balling. Texas is 2-0. Yeah, he's a projected first-rounder. Yep, they beat Alabama. So what? I, I wonder just how Quinn was a little too tired about hearing of the Manning family and Arch Manning and then getting this thing back on track. Dan Orlovsky, as he's one to do, gave us the whole Twitter video of the scheme that Steve Sarkeesian had. So, yeah, Texas, they look very good, and Paul Feinbaum is telling you they're back. Let's go to one other soundbite before we end. All right, really quickly. Um, 
we've we've made a lot of fun of Willie P's brisket over the last year or so. Oh, no. After he put some photos up on his Twitter last 4th of July that weren't very uh, appealing to those of us that consume barbecue. Well, over the weekend, Willie P was back doing the brisket thing, and he had a message for you guys. Yeah, it's not dry, fam. Not dry at all. Biddy, <laughs> <sighs> I'll be honest. It's probably, so in its head. it's probably the biggest influence you've ever had on anything. It's the fact that you are the one, because you're the one that created it. I was doing the show with you, and you said, ah, oh, that brisket looked a little dry. And he was in there saying, it has the juice. And he was squeezing it. And you said, ah, oh, it looked a little dry. And now here we are over a year later where he still is on Brisket Reclamation Project. Hey, look at my juicy brisket. Look at it. Scarred the man for life. Oh, poor Willie, man. I'm glad. Did it look good? Because I haven't even seen the picture. Were you able to see the brisket in question here, Fitty? Yeah, no. He sent it He sent it to a group chat. We didn't know he went public because he told us. He said he wasn't going to do he it. He said he's never going to do it again. He must have been very confident in his meat to put it out there on the socials. Poor Willie P. It's tough. I heard what you said. We're going to move on. That'll do it for the live wire on Wesson Walker. A couple more segments to go. What do we think about the Bryce age? What do we take away from the number one overall pick? We'll get to that in just a moment. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And just like that, we are back. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ hit us up on those socials keep hitting the text line 704-570-9610 but the Bryce Age is off and running the Carolina Panthers lose to the Atlanta Falcons 24-10 but he did struggle in his first start only 146 yards passing two interceptions on the day Let's hear from Bryce himself to start this thing off on what he saw on those two interceptions. Both were some recovery, you know, the, the safety. I have to do a better job of us seeing the depth um, of him. Um, and again, he, you know, that's that stuff. I, you know, you got to see in front of those. You know, I got to see in front of him bringing her out. And um, you know, um, obviously, again, where the turnovers happen, you know, that that's, you know, it's 100. percent You know, they're they're on me. It's you know, it's on me to make sure that I, I locate the safety. And um, you know, obviously, I, you know, I, I got to clean that up and be better moving for it. So when you hear him in his description of what happened on those, so he said the depth of the safety. So I guess he thought, because on a, on those, I thought that maybe he didn't necessarily see Jesse Bates lurking, and it was just one of those Jesse yeah. Bates baited him into an interception. Not trying to be punny, but I thought that no, that was good. What, what I thought that was what happened. But uh, he said that the depth of the safety, he thought that he was a little bit further away than what he was. Well, yeah, he was just he was just not ready for Jesse to have the ability to make that play. And you're right. I think he was sneaking up. And that's what Jesse Bates, I believe, said after the game was that he was not worried about the deep passing attack, that they didn't think right they were going to let Bryce Young let it fly, and they wanted to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. Because if you thought the offensive line was going to suffer like they did this preseason, then that's the game plan. That's what any game plan anybody's ever come up with, with an offensive line you're a little worried about. Hey, get the ball out of his hands, you know, maybe run the ball, get the offensive line confidence going a little bit with, you know, mashing in the run game, whatever. And Jesse made a couple of great reads. You're right. It didn't seem like he saw him, and it looked like 
that Jesse Bates was able to just time that perfectly. Both interceptions look like carbon copies of one another. Both of them. Diving in front, being able to pick that ball off. Just incredible play by a safety that was paid a lot of money for a reason. So when you look at it on Friday, I'd said that since 2003, number one overall picks were 0-13-1 in their first start. And so you also have... Uh, in here that number one overall picks are now four and 22 in their first start since 1967. And so with that said, man, when you, when you look at this thing, how much do you chalk some of this up to, to some of those bad omens and uh, things of that nature? Because you look at it again, for those uh, that don't know, he was 20 of 38, so only 52% of his throws. Uh, he had a passer rating of 48.8 and that, the Falcons scored 17 of their 24 points off of Panthers turnover. So uh, I just wanted to know how much did that weigh on you going into this game? And also, do you feel like that Carolina lost the game or that Atlanta just, they won the game outright? Yeah, I, I think Atlanta won the game. I, I think, I know that Carolina turned the ball over. Those were monster problems, but it's, like Jesse Bates made those plays, right? Like it, it's not like Bryce Young had a, a Cade Klubnik interception or even a Deshaun Watson interception, which was real bad yesterday. <laughs> Cleveland got the win, so okay, but Deshaun had a real bad pick. We didn't see that from Bryce Young. We saw Jesse Bates outsmart him twice. It was the same play. Hopefully Bryce Young learns from that. I'm not going to take away this win from Atlanta saying, oh, Panthers lost it. They had him where they wanted him. No, they had a couple good rushing attacks. We talked about the inconsistency in the run defense. At best, inconsistent. At worst, you just think it was outright bad. So I think Atlanta won it. I think with some of the bad omens you mentioned, with number one overall picks being 4-22 and in their first start, I think a lot of that is backed by just being drafted to bad teams because they got the worst record in the first place. So it's going to be really hard immediately the next season to pick up a victory when so much of what you accomplished was bad based off of the previous year. I think that's one thing to consider. I think the other thing is it's really hard to expect a lot from a rookie QB making their first start in the NFL because the game is so different and you at least have to get used to that. Even if, even with the preseason, it's not going to be like the NFL regular season. And I think I lost sight of that, to be honest with you. I had a lot more confidence in Bryce Young to be able to learn from a cognitive standpoint. That was how he beat you. Processing, accuracy, keep these chains moving. And Jesse Bates won that battle of who could outsmart one or the other. And, and Bates did it on a couple of plays. It's really all you needed. As you mentioned, the Falcons scored 17 points off of those turnovers. So he's going to learn from it. I have I didn't lose any confidence in him being the right choice because of this game, right? We're talking about one. It's not a ridiculous statement. And hopefully Bryce Young learns from it as soon as week two because you got another division game that you're playing. No question about it. Let's hear from Frank Wright as far as what he plans to do to help Bryce learn and grow from this loss. Really looking forward to it. Could not. There's not another guy in the world I'd want to work with. You know what I mean? He's got everything you want as a player, as a leader, as a person. Um, and I thought he did a lot of good things today. I mean, he did a lot of really good things. Handled himself, you know, really well on the road in a division game. Um, you know, we'll evaluate it play by play, any mistakes that were made, um, just like we will every other player on the team. And, and as coaches, we evaluate ourselves. So, um, but looking forward to the, you know, the ongoing opportunity, because it's a great opportunity to get, you know, you get to work with a player and a person like that. 
So, you know, when they go back and look at this footage, they're going to see, as he said, the mistakes and things of that nature. I think you have to love the poise. He did show a little bit of frustration, but that's to be expected from a guy that is is as competitive as he is, a guy that's a Heisman Trophy winner, a guy that's used to winning uh, pretty much his entire life when you talk about high school, college, and now the pros. And I'm sure he definitely wanted to have a better debut than what he had. Uh, 0 of 7 on passes, 13-plus yards downfield. And so I think one thing that's funny is that when you have guys that are kind of savant-like, like when you hear about the Kobe's of the world or the LeBron's or – the Brady's are maybe guys that are just super duper smart about their their sport. I was just wondering to myself, like I think guys like Bryce Young and those guys, I think they go in hoping for the best, but I think they know some of the limitations that they may have in a given contest. And so I think when you look at the stat of him being 0 of 7 of yards, I mean passes 13 plus yards downfield, I'm not saying I don't think he doesn't believe in his receivers, but I think he kind of knows their limitations. But what do you think? How does that bode for you as far as not being able to get passes past 13 plus yards? I think that it's probably a part of the game plan because you don't trust your receivers entirely. I think you did not have what was pretty clearly your best deep threat at receiver in DJ Chark. With him not playing in this game, that might have been the guy that you were scared of most. Now, Terrace Marshall, we talked about him having that ability to be the guy that you could throw to downfield, and it just didn't happen. Frank Reich spoke about that, the lack of a deep passing game. He said that there was probably four to six spots where they could have taken that shot, and it just never really happened. I'm trying to look for the exact quote here, but you had a couple of good... Speaking of separation, like what Mingo did a couple of times, there was one route he wanted to give credit to for Adam Thielen, but for the most part, we're discussing a skill group that wasn't great. Yeah, this is what he said about the deep passing attack. That it needs to be a threat, that it's unacceptable that it wasn't a threat. There were four to six deep shots called. There was one that they checked out of because of the situation. So, over a large sample size, we'll see just how good this team is at doing that. But first game with Bryce, where they checked out of a couple of times. I know Jake DeLome on the broadcast, one text said, Jesse Bates was sitting real far back because that's what they were giving the Carolina Panthers. So I guess that's what they were taking at points. Yeah, hopefully it's there going forward, but it certainly wasn't in week one. And Frank Wright called it unacceptable. I think we all understand that needs to be a threat. Yeah, I think obviously no performance is going to be perfect when you're talking about a guy's first ever NFL game in a division matchup. And so when you talk about Bryce Young and them not being able to complete passes past 13 plus yards, obviously that's going to change. But I think when you go 0 of 7, we'll see. Is it a blip? Is it going to be something that's going to be improved going forward? I mean, I would count on it being yes, that I do think they're obviously going to be able to hit some passes past 13 plus yards. But just coming out into week one, man, I think everybody just has those moments, especially when you're a rookie like that. You're just going to have some of those moments, man, that are going to let you know that this is a different level, that this is just going to be just something different. And I think it was just one of those games for him. And I think a player like him, the thing I think you like the most is a player like Bryce, when he has bad games, he's going to 
learn and take a lot in. He's not a guy you have to worry about preparation and things of that nature. We've talked about that ad nauseum since he's been in the draft process. And I think this is the guy that in a loss, he's going to learn a whole lot. He's going to make personal adjustments in week two. So when you look at the other performances of the rookies around the league, uh, you had to like what you saw from Anthony Richardson. A 24-37, he completed 65% of his throws, 223 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He also had a touchdown rushing uh, on 40 yards rushing to be exact. Then C.J. Stroud, he completed 63% of his passes, 242 yards, had a lost fumble, zero touchdowns on the game. So how do you feel like – uh, he compared with the other rookies around the NFL. Well, I mean, if we look at average yards per target, average yards of depth per target, right? Like you're you're talking about all of the quarterbacks not throwing too far past the line of scrimmage. Now, Anthony Richardson had the highest, I think, per completion, mm-hmm. but also you're talking about a touchdown to Michael Pittman that was a screen that he did most of the work for. And if you look at his throw chart, Richardson is throwing to the right side of the field a lot. And I think that's okay because Shane Steichen in game number one against a good team in Jacksonville, you're doing what you everything you possibly can to get the best out of a guy making that transition. And so that's why I loved when he went to the Colts. I thought, okay, there's somebody in Shane Steichen that worked with Jalen Hurts that is also a really mobile quarterback that also has somewhat of a similar build. No one's Richardson because he's a cyborg based off how he tested uh, at the combine. But Jalen Hurts is clearly a very athletically gifted QB too that can throw. You're hoping to bring some of that with Richardson, and I thought they put together a pretty good game plan to keep that game close. Richardson tried to throw deep once. There was a guy open, didn't put enough touch on it, got picked off. That's okay. I agree with you for the most part. Really liked what you got from him. I didn't see as much from the C.J. Stroud performance, but Stroud is someone that was 28 of 44. Running for his life a lot. Running for his life. Not you know You're going against the best opponent out of any of these. Uh, rookie QBs, in my opinion. I I like Jacksonville, but Baltimore, they're very good. So, C.J. Stroud, I thought it was very similar. I mean, I guess statistically, Bryce Young probably gave you the worst. Having two interceptions, probably did. I I didn't see anything other, you know, from the other two QBs that say, God, pretty clear that Panthers missed out on him. They should have drafted Richardson, or they should have drafted C.J. Stroud. I just think you're talking about losses all across the board with QBs that didn't take the world by storm because it's really hard to make this jump. Yeah, I think that when you talk about it in those terms, no doubt about it. Uh, But I think that when you look at Anthony Richardson, I think that you had to like what he brought to the table. But you're not sitting here saying, I wish Carolina drafted him. No, you're not going to say that. Yeah, feel the same way. But as far as just him coming out in the game, and we knew completion percentage was a big uh, issue for him coming into the league to complete 65% of his passes by hook or by crook, he accomplished that feat. Uh, If you had any knock on him, like you said, it's just he's got to learn to get down. He's a big athlete, and he was running around thinking that he could play that way, and he learned the hard way because I was watching when he took that big hit that had him laying down there for a little bit, man. And that NFL got to get down because you're either going to get down or lay down, (laughs) like (laughs) Beanie Siegel would say. You're going to get down or lay down because somebody's going to lay you down. C.J. Stroud, I thought, had an average performance, but he was playing up against a great defense, like you said, in Baltimore, Tina. We know defensively what they represent 
from a pedigree standpoint, but I still thought he played valiantly, if I if I should say that. Uh, 63% of his throws he completed, you know, 240 yards. To be frank, that was more than I thought he'd do, especially going up against Baltimore. So I think that uh, these teams have to be encouraged by what they got from their rookies, including Carolina. Uh, they should be encouraged as well. Yeah, and the other, there's one text here. I'm trying to find it real quickly. Someone discussed the other weapons that the other QBs had, and, and it's not like Houston has a phenomenal group of weapons, right? Yes. Same thing with the Colts. Um, the Texans, it's tough. I, I don't know if I would say the Texans have a lot better guys. I like Damian Pierce a lot. Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Tank Dell, those are the top three receivers for this team, especially in week one. Maybe you'd say they're they're better, depending on how you feel about Mingo and Dell. I do think the Colts have better, though. Like Michael Pittman, I know. Yeah, I, no, I, I think so. For you. I think so. I was cursing when he scored. Yeah. I said some rough stuff about him when he scored, but that was okay. Pittman's like good. What? Pittman, uh, well, we'll talk about it. that in the fishbowl. Don't you do it. <laughs> don't you do it. No, Pittman and, and even Downs, I don't know how, I don't even know if Downs contributed much in this one, but um, yeah, three for 30, so very similar to what Dell and even Mingo did, to be honest with you. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, once he comes back, they'll be better. But yeah, that's something Bryce Young's going to have to deal with all season long. Real quick, before we go to the last 50 flash of the day, were you disappointed Mingo didn't give you much? Well, the passing game didn't. So, yes, but also the passing game wasn't there as a whole. So, I, I understand why. You know, like, I I still think Mingo could be the guy going forward. I, I think Frank Reich talked about it today. When he was asked about the lack of separation for these receivers... The first thing he said, he didn't want to pile on him, which I think is great. You don't want your coach piling on you with some of the mistakes. You want that to be in-house. First thing he said that was positive was, I thought Mingo ran a few really good routes. We didn't even look at him one time because it's not supposed to go to him, but he ran such a good route. He was open You know, when you go back and watch the tape. So I'm still holding out hope with Mingo being the guy as the season goes on. So even week one, no, I'm not too concerned. I, I think it could happen as the year goes on. All right, Fitty, last flash of the day. Let's get it. It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Wow. Kind of intrigued to know what Wes was yelling at his TV yesterday because I'm usually the degenerate that's yelling uh, provocative things, but undoubtedly Wes also dabbles in that uh, that type of fandom. Wes has admitted to such, especially in oh meaningful games. Oh, my God. Games. Yeah. <laughs> San Francisco games and Wake Forest games. My son still trolls me about how much I was cursing during the uh, Carolina Wake game and during the Dukes, yeah. Dukes Mayo Bowl when uh, Sam Hartman threw those Five interceptions? Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you bring it to the table quite a bit. <laughs> I don't know how many people were cussing when the U.S. not only didn't win gold at the FIBA World Cup, they didn't medal, they lost the third place game, and you were cussing at them, Wes? Yes. Well, I mean, the only reason why I'm cussing is because now all of a sudden, is going to get all of his, his, his boys to come together and team up and play in the Olympics the in the Olympics next year let's and try get to, it you know wait I'm, bring back gold this is such this is such a LeBron move because if they would have won gold <laughs> do you think this this guy would be wanting to go play I mean look he's not gonna be playing in the final space to do something to do next summer 
But this is, he knows his career is coming to an end. He's not going to another championship. He's got to find some other narrative, some other way to try to make this GOAT conversation a little bit more debatable. This is the last ride of Wyatt Earp and the Immortals. Word to Tombstone. Okay, let's God, round up the you. guys. I get frustrated with that. Three losses in that tournament was disgusting. Let's get Curry, get Tatum, Durant, get all the big dogs, and let's go over there and show them who runs it in basketball. I'm struggling to find where this is a bad thing, that LeBron <laughs> is playing for America once we get to the Olympics. I, I don't know how you because have spun if you, this. if you can't see the narrative that's going to come out from him about this, I've always loved my country. Jordan didn't love his country. only played in one Olympics. I Wait, played, in two, played in two. Like, this is going to happen. No, LeBron's played in, in multiple, right? Like yeah. He's, he's yeah, and played, Jordan played in two. Is that, yeah. Oh, I guess in college. When he was you're in college. Yeah, so, college. Yeah. So, 04, 08, 2012, LeBron played. I I don't, did he play in 2020? I, I don't. Yeah. 2016. 21 because of COVID. Got, right. And I don't think he did. No, remember? Because that was like the worst squad we ever sent there and we still won the damn thing. Either way. I, I'm still struggling to find this as a bad thing. You know, look, I I know you claim to be a Carolina I, fan and a Jordan fan. Your, your LeBron love, you can't hide it. <laughs> You, you, you think you think LeBron's the goat? I'm sorry, Fiddy. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to create a little bit more of this frustration. All right. Well, when we come back, we close this thing down and try not to kill each other during mm. the break on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Conversation during the break. I got a bunch of wild stuff I'm going to throw at you. I think we already have a fire fizzle topic for Thursday, depending on what else happens <laughs> on the show. I don't know if should we tease it or not. Maybe maybe we don't. Maybe we keep it yeah, a surprise. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep it a surprise. All right. So fire fizzle looks like we got a good topic for you. And we were talking about it a lot during the break. Yes. All of us had some big time opinions. Yes. So find out on Thursday. So a couple things I wanted to bring to the last segment. We were discussing what was the last name? Oh, it was Bijan Robinson or Bajan Robinson. Because I know you had something about his mom make saying that no, it's actually Bajan Robinson. She cares. But he Bajan doesn't. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. But, but she told him she wanted him to correct people who mispronounced his name. And and he didn't really care all that much. Yeah, but like, now, whatever. you know, if if mama cares, then I want to be able to, you know, yeah, well, be able to call him the right names. Name. You're going to do it begrudgingly. Out. Right, but just because it, it's going to be hard, though, because I'm going to be like, all right, so Bajan Robinson. I'm going to try to roll with that. Bajan Robinson, because I do want to get people's names right. But I feel like this is a name controversy that is just the latest, even within running backs in the NFC South. Because we can go to the Alvin Kamara or Kamara scenario. I He did say it was Kamara, but a lot of people still call him Alvin Kamara. And so I think that has been one that has been tough for people to flip. Feel free to mention some good examples here on the text line. What are name controversies that no matter what, people are going to either mispronounce it or it's like 50-50 on the text line. 704-570-9610. So we came up with a couple. Kamara or Kamara, that was a good one. Fiddy brought Mariota to the table. Some people say Mariota. Some people say Mariota. I'm a Mariota guy. But when we shorten it and we go Mario or Mario, big time Mario. I don't know, like Super Mario, it just flows off the tongue. I'm not a Mario guy. Yeah. I'm Mariota, but I'm Mario. 
Dude, the best part is Drew Romich, the Gen Z giant, a noted Falcons fan, he calls him Marriott. Now he's doing it to mess with us, though. Yeah. Now he's doing it. At first, though, you're right. He kept calling him by the hotel name. <laughs> Marcus Marriott. Yeah, he was awful last year. No, it's not. Oh, this is one. 704 wrote in Tyrod Taylor. That's pretty good. Is it Tyrod? Is that what you're saying? I've always gone Tyrod. Man, it's a good one that I can't think of. Uh, and it was a quarterback, too. I'm going I'm going to. It'll pop into my well, head. I have another one while you think about okay. that one. The other one is recent. We went through this with North Carolina basketball. I kept calling him Elliot Cadu for the longest. Fitty helped me out as well, but it's Elliot Cadu. Yeah. And so now we have to. I want to get the names right. These are people's names. I want to get it right. Yeah. So I'm going to call it Elliot Cadeau, even though I love the Cadeau last name. <laughs> we'll go with Cadeau. And Fiddy, I know you've had a harder time transitioning. Yeah, because, you know, he could do it. And, you know, now Cadeau, it just doesn't doesn't hit the same. Mm. Although he's going to make some dough. So maybe we could play off of that. I don't know. Um, this texture wrote in one about Jake DeLome's last name. I, I thought it was just very straightforward. It was DeLome. Did, did people call it other things? Well, Del Home was out there. Who the hell <laughs> called him that? Jake, Chris Myers. Jake Del- <laughs> Probably was. Well, Appalachian, Appalachian, yes, 704. I We heard that on game day this week. Giannis is one for sure. Uh, and Dominican Sue was one. Well, these are those are just more hard to pronounce in some cases, right? I mean, it. So you Kamara, Kamara is pronounce. not hard. Okay. Yeah. I got you. It's just, we just don't know really what to call them. You know, so I'm trying. Uh, Chuck T, that's very good. Are you a Terrell Owens guy or a Terrell Owens guy? Oh, that's that is a that's good a one. great one from Chuck T. How do you pronounce it? I'd say Terrell Owens. I used to always say Terrell. You go Terrell. What are you fifty? I said fifty. Fifty. What are you? Terrell. Terrell Owens. I think I'm Terrell too. Yeah. yeah I never Here's got another, with another one for the Falcons. The running backs in the NFC South. It trips us up. Are you a Cordero or are you a Corderell? Oh, I've never heard anybody say Corderell. I always say Cordero. You know, it's it's Cordero. It is Cordero, but people will call him Corderell. And those people should be not allowed to speak openly. <laughs> well, what about Tyron Matthew, but it's Tyron. Is it Tyron? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just learned I'm that looking at as we speak. most mispronounced names now. Here's I'll, the problem with him, though. Like, I got to a point where I didn't even call him first or last name. It was just a honey badger. Yeah. Like, 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 like his nickname was that badass. That was his name. It's a great way to sidestep any problem. Now, I struggle with this one. Doug Branson on Lockdown Hornets has made fun of me for this one. I, Rashid Wallace. I think it's Rashid, but I always say Rashid. Rashid. Yeah. I always try to put too much emphasis on it. Yeah. I think it's Rashid, though. That's a good one. That is a good one. 704 writing in a very good one. Uh, James from North Charlotte. Yes, the Patrick or the Pat. Not necessarily hard to pronounce either way. Just do we give him the full name or do we go with the shortened version? Um, I did want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions before we end, too. I wanted to ask what the better Twitter video out there was. Was it Miles Garrett crossing up the center for Cincinnati with a air basketball and then getting in the backfield immediately? Or was it Geno Smith throwing the football with Aaron Donald coming around on a stunt. And then as he sees Aaron Donald, he says, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the better Twitter video going out? I would definitely say the, Oh my God. I've never heard of that in my entire life. An NFL <laughs> player yelling out, Oh my God, before they get hit by somebody, especially a quarterback that's mid read firing yeah. the football and yelling out, Oh my God. Like, I'm like, you're that scared to get hit by Aaron Donald, which yeah. I mean, I would imagine a lot of people are. No, it's okay. I think with Aaron. I think you're right because the audio brings a different element, but Miles Garrett crossing up the center, like literally 
faking him out left and then just getting in the backfield immediately. Maybe the most disrespectful pass rush I've seen that wasn't a complete bull rush. Yeah. Probably the most disrespectful. Final one. Those knees. (laughs) Stuff like that. Uh, Final one for college football (laughs) rankings I was going to get to. What's more surprising after the weekend, seeing Alabama at 10 or Clemson unranked? Clemson unranked for sure because they did go 66-17. Obviously, the voters looked at it and said that first quarter and a half, they demoted them because of that. Yeah, that's brutal, man. Yeah, I think you're right. This Clint- is about time Alabama drops. Most of the time they lose, they drop two spots. They can lose about 40 at home, they'll drop them to four. I, I know. The sky is falling, and they're ranked in the top ten. It's crazy. <laughs> that's how good Alabama is. All right, that'll do it for Wesson Walker. Hang out in the clubhouse. Coming up next, Kyle Bailey alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.